first question, kind of uh, not so serious, but what's it like uh, not having a Broman as coach? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I'm still in the gym with them a lot because they uh, they started their own company, uh, Venture Basketball, and my 12-year-old, my 10-year-old, and my 6-year-old go to their basketball training camp every every Sunday. So it's so much fun to see them in there. Uh, you know what what better two role models could you have in the whole country than to be around the Bromans for an hour every Sunday talk about helping making your kids not only better basketball players but better people and they were the ultimate high character young men that worked harder than anybody ever coached and um, any any in any way shape or form that they could rub off on my kids uh, I want them to do that so I get to see them a lot it was so much fun to be at Anders wedding this past spring uh, Meg is Meg, you know, I, I talked, told him I'm going to try to hire him on my staff because he can really recruit. If you met Meg, you know what I'm talking about. She's a world-class person. And, um, but yeah, I'm going to miss those guys. What progress reports have they given you on Johnny Ballgame? That he can't play dead in a cowboy movie. <laughs> <laughs> nah, he's fine. He's fine. He just runs around with a smile on his face and has fun. <laughs> Without them there, you, you've still got some, some veteran presence, but you've got a lot of new guys, too. What's it been like melding all these new guys into, into the program? And you've got, got Josh and got some other guys. Yeah, I've been there. telling a bunch of people today in interviews that, um, you know, we have five freshmen, one transfer freshman, and we're going to dress four true freshmen. We thought about, for a while, having them dress themselves, but we've changed our mind, and we're going to go ahead and help them, help them do that. But, um, yeah, I mean, the veteran presence, obviously, you start with Josh Ferguson. Sure. Very decorated player. That's, helped, you know, a big part of an NCAA tournament team back in 17. Very respected by our league. Um, and then, you know, two transfers that are older, mature guys that have a lot of experience in college basketball. And Hunter Hale, who's a grad transfer from Grand Valley State. Chandler Baldron, who's a, a, a transfer from Walsh, who was one of the... I think he led the country in triple doubles, and that's kind of who he is as a player. It's just his versatility, his ability to affect the game in a lot of different ways. He's a unique player. That's six seven, but kind of more of a excuse me, more of a point forward. So both those guys bring a lot of experience to the table. You know, DJ, who's transferring from Tennessee, didn't play last year, but he was in college basketball for a year and obviously coached up at a high level with their staff at Tennessee and Coach Barnes. So although he hasn't played college basketball, it's not his first trip to the rodeo in terms of the grind that's involved in, in college hoops. So, But, yeah, those four freshmen are four true freshmen. And... Um, like all freshmen, they're going to have their highs, their lows, their good days, their bad days, their growing pains. But they're all very talented guys, and uh, in, in, in their own way and in varying degrees, I think they're all going to impact our program in year one. The situation with DJ was unusual, uh, to, the, to the point that you can talk about it. How did that unfold in terms of getting him over from Tennessee into your program, coming back home kind of, and, and the waiver process? How much of that were you involved with and how arduous of a process was that? Well, you know, when he decided he was leaving Tennessee and, and he entered the transfer portal, um, there was an obvious connection just because it's his hometown. You know, he's probably the most decorated, I don't know this for sure, one of the most decorated recruits in the history of Rock Hill. Um, you know, and we were involved in his recruitment at a very young age, so we were familiar with him and his family. And um, I think, you know, he realized that it was a... 
one thing that really appealed to him is ability to come home, you know, and play closer to home, and be closer to his family, and and uh, so it made a lot of sense from that regard. From the from the waiver process for immediate eligibility, I think you have to give uh, a tip of the cap to how Tennessee handled things. They were they were first class in every way, shape, or form, and helping uh, DJ throughout the process and putting his well-being first and foremost. You know, it was about what was best for him and. They agreed that, that you know him not having to sit another year was in his best interest. Coach Barnes was, as you can imagine, unbelievably classy and and, uh, and was very helpful in that regard. Obviously, anytime you get a first-year player in the program, part of what's going to determine how many minutes they play is their enthusiasm on defense. You, you are very well known for being a coach who loves defensive enthusiasm. How enthusiastic is he on the defensive end, and, and how much do you think this game? I just like enthusiasm in general. Sure. I don't care if it's defense, yeah. offense finger painting, uh, academics, uh, your faith, your, how you live. I, mean, I, I, I don't think anything great was ever achieved in life without enthusiasm. Sure. So, you know, I, not to correct you or anything, but sure. yeah, I, mean, I think it applies to defense as well. So I think that's something that uh, is found out very quickly by any player that enters our program is that we value that. And um, the nice thing about where we are, we're at in our program seven years in, entering our eighth season is that there's there's a way, there's a system, there's a belief, there's a culture. And um, it's, it's, you know, policed, if you will, by our older guys. And I think they make that very well known from day one of what's expected, how hard you have to work, what your approach has to be on a daily basis, and then obviously valuing the defensive side of the ball. Those, those four freshmen, you talk about the, the true freshmen coming in, having to get used to not just college basketball, but the way you run your program, the way that you expect a freshman to act, you expect a player to act as right. part of this program. How they acclimated to that, and what have you seen from them thus far that, that gives you glimpses for what you'll see from them this year and going forward? I think the biggest thing is um, the things they have that you can't measure, and, and those things are, we, are, are things that we try to identify and value in recruiting. Um, you know, they, Coach G, my former associate head coach, terms it the supernatural. You know, just those innate things that equate to winning. And they have a lot of those. I mean, they are tireless workers. You know, I think if there's one shared trait, shared quality amongst all four of those true freshmen coming in is how much they love who, how much they love the game. Um, you know, their hours in the gym, their investment into their skill, into their body, into the weight room, and they want to be really good. And if you bring that to the table as a player, obviously you have to have the sheer talent, the ability, and the God-given things, but that one-two and that drive to get better and to improve, there's so much you can do with that. The sky's the limit when they have when, when, when players have that. I think that's something that they all have. What are you expecting from that next step from Kyle this year? I know Kyle had to kind of be a leader last year at times and, and yeah, I mean, tasked with a lot of things. I, I think the biggest thing that Kyle does and what he's elite at is um, is his ability to lead, and he leads in various ways. Some people only lead by example, and that's fine. There's great leaders that just lead by example. Um, there's other ones that, that, that are more vocal, and they lead by their voice. Kyle does both. You know, there's not a more tenacious player in our program, there's probably not a more tenacious player than I ever coached than Kyle in terms of how hard he goes, how relentless he is with his effort and every single repetition of everything he does. Um, so 
guys respect that. They respect his toughness, his tenacity, and, and how he goes about his business. But he's also blessed with, you know, a, a, a powerful presence and a voice. Um, and he's not afraid to use it. He's not afraid to address something in front of the whole team. He's not embarrassed, too cool to do those type of things. Um, you know, and he, he, he brings a lot of physical energy as well. So those are things that we're really counting on him to do. And he's done for us for the last couple of years. We need him, him to even take that next step in that regard. Mike had a very significant first year, very successful first year. Started as a as kind of a defensive star and then started to find his offensive game as well and, and became a key player on your team. What have you seen from him as far as a difference from year one to year two? Well, <clears throat> the reason Mike played every game, started every game, and played as many minutes as almost anybody on our team was just the trust level. I trust Mike when he's on the floor. I trust him, first of all, on the defensive end. He's a very aware and conscientious defender, and he's a tough kid that plays hard. He competes. Um, that's the biggest reason why his minutes you know, were so significant as a freshman. Um, his offensive numbers might not have jumped off the page and might not looked impact-like, but his defensive presence there were times when we'd be in a huddle late in the game, and I would tell, I'd look at our team, and I'd say, "Fellas, Mike can't guard everybody. You know, you want Mike on the one, you want him on the two, you want him on the three, and you want him on the four. So he needs to bring that. He needs to be a big-time stopper for us. Um, but you know, I, I see a uh, him taking the next step in his in his approach. You know, he was content uh, to kind of take a back seat, not not in how he played, but he would defer." because he was a freshman and I think, you know, I see him being more assertive. Um, he's not the most talkative guy in the world. He's more of a quiet, um, introverted type personality, but I, I see him being more assertive. He does lead by example, um, you know, and, and he's being more aggressive offensively as well. What do you need to see from Josh this year? I know he's, he's taken gradual strides each year, but now this year without, you know, Bjorn, without Andres, without yeah, a lot I mean, of those guys. I, I just think, be great at what he's great at, you know. I mean, he's a he's a he's a, a plus plus rebounder, right? I mean, he can really go and get the ball on the offensive end. He's a very good defensive, and just be steady Eddie, right? Just be that guy that um, can be a post scorer when we need him to. And at times when we're playing a big big lineup, you know, let's say he's in the game with DJ Burns, he's going to have a different matchup on him that he has in the past. Instead of a five guarding him, there's a four guarding him. Now teams will try to take advantage of that on the other end but you know he'll be harder to guard in the post and he'll probably do more than he did last year in terms of scoring close to the basket but he's grown his game in a way that's really made him a very effective three-point shooter that can really stretch the floor as well so he doesn't have to leap tall buildings in a single bound for us to be good because I think we have a lot of other potent pieces um, on both ends of the ball both sides of the ball I should say but he needs to be really good at what he's good at. How much will DJ's presence and some of the other players that you have coming into the program help Josh? Just because last year he had to do so much, and if, if you got in foul trouble, you know you kind of had to piece together stuff. And you know, in terms yeah. of the four and five. No, I think what you just described is depth, and I think as I sit here right now, ready to embark on the season, that's one of our strengths, and it really is. Um, I mean, we're still with seven new players four and a half, five weeks into practice, still figuring out how minutes are going to be divvied up. And to be honest with you, it could be a month into the season before we truly knew. No, you know, because um, scrimmages are great, but 
you know, you're, you're, you're really going to find out what you got when the lights come on for real. And, uh, you know, so our rotation might look a lot different in January than it does right now. Um, and I think it's going to be a learning process for all of us, getting to know these guys, and what they're like in certain situations, what matchups or, I'm sorry, what lineups work the best together. I think it's going to be a little bit of a feeling out thing as we move forward. I've asked everybody in this room just about, and I expect a different answer from you because I know your philosophy. How's the three-point line change going to affect your team and affect the way they play? Shoot more. <laughs> Double down. <laughs> I, don't, I don't worry about it for one second. Um, I wish they moved back farther. Let's go NBA. <laughs> Wider lane, deeper three, more space. Let's go. Why not? That's that's a fair question. Knowing how you like to coach, if they went to the international rules, if they went to the the longer three point line, if they went to the wider lane, how how would that impact? Well, the inter they are at the international three. Now, yeah, if they went to the NBA three. The NBA three. How would it affect the game? How would it affect the game? How would it affect the way you coach? Um. Well, I think one of the big reasons that the NBA game is different than the college game is defensive three seconds. So, it's not as much the width of the lane. It's how long defense can stay in the lane. You know, in the NBA you got to be out in three seconds, so it even allows for more of an open court. But I do think a deeper three wider lane would obviously spread and make the game even more open, and that fits into what our what our typical uh, you know style is. But again, um, I really think what's interesting about this team is you know what we're going to look like in two three months, um, and really going to know a lot more. Heck. Sure as heck, I know a lot about ourselves after this gauntlet that we're on the first two weeks of the season. Yeah, I mean, I, was ask about that. I, I think I think we might have one of the most difficult non-conference schedules in the country with a young team of seven players. So, you know, it's uh, staying steady, Eddie, and staying the course, and continuing to do what we do. And, um, you know, I think we're really, really going to like the team that comes out on the other side of it once conference play starts. Some people would look at going to Hartford and then going to Fresno and going to St. Mary's and all that stuff in the span of a week, you know, being on a, on a plane and doing all this traveling stuff, and they'd say, that's nuts. Why are you doing that? Is that actually, you know, a good thing for this team to just find out where they are early? And, yeah, I think so. Why not? You know, I've said it a bunch of times. Skip Prost used to say you can't sharpen your teeth eating oatmeal, right? Sure. So find out a lot about yourself but some of it kind of works itself out for you the way you know an MTE works or the way negotiations go and generate a certain amount of revenue through guarantees and what's you know the best deal you can get getting you know so sometimes it's you, you, you have to do things a way that might not be absolutely ideal but it's the best thing for the program moving forward. You also have some interesting teams coming to Winthrop. Uh, Elon jumps out. Coach Frege is somebody who's very highly respected. I've, I've heard a lot of good things about him already. Just in, in yeah, Mike, Mike and I were uh, both director of basketball operations at the same time. I was DBO at Wake Forest. He was DBO at Duke. So um, I would always call him when we were on our way to Duke to find out who had the best chicken chicken parm in, in Durham <laughs> and where we needed to go and get the number of the Maggiano's catering coordinator and things like that. But that was back in 2001, 2002. And it's kind of neat to see now we're running our own programs. And it's kind of fun as you grow up in this business, the people you meet, um, relationships that you form, and then you watch how everybody's stories kind of unfold. It's interesting. You know, Mike was DBO at Duke. Shaka Smart was DBO at Clemson. We're all sharing stuff about bus drivers and 
pilots and airplanes and hotels. And now we're all head coaches, so those are fun stories to tell. We see each other on the road. We kind of reminisce about that stuff. But it's cool to see Coastal coming back to town. Yes, you know, that's I'm another sure, big I'm sure our fan base in the city and Winthrop should be excited about that because it was such a terrific rivalry for so long. So that's kind of cool. The interesting thing about Coastal, how, how do you sell students now on Coastal, knowing that most of them weren't in the university when you know, Coastal's in the Big South and, and they don't really know as much about the rivalry? How do you market that game? Um, so I don't know however many years it was they left. Would any would the, would, the, would the seniors right now, Probably. the seniors still know? Probably. I, I think it's still fresh enough where people will know, and if not, it's our job to educate them on that. I'll sure educate our players on it, um, on on what that meant to our league and how impactful that was in the in the history of Winthrop and Coastal basketball. So it'll be a cool thing. I have a lot of respect for Cliff. Um, my first year, he was, uh, you know, he was in the league obviously, and he was just a guy that really took me under his wing. You know, he took a liking to me and put his arm around me and let me tell you how this works young feller <laughs> you know one of those deals and, um, but you know I've always liked him a lot it was interesting to see how he kind of orchestrated and it was the guy behind the scenes making sure and seeing to it that Coastal got to host the tournament for two or three straight years in a row and they happened to be really good that worked out really well for him so He's a pretty shrewd businessman as well. Got a lot of respect for him. <laughs> Being a marketing guy, what interesting things do you have planned for this year? Um, you know, uh, we have a really good group at Winthrop. You know, uh, Matt Martin and Emily, the people in marketing, working their tail off to come up with good things to do. They know I'm an idiot. I'll do anything. I'll be willing to embarrass myself. And they come up with new things. Say, Coach, would you do that? Sure, I'll do it. Why not? Jumping on a bus tomorrow and going and delivering season tickets all over Rock Hill tomorrow night. Um, so it's part of the job I enjoy. I think I'm one of those rare, unique coaches that that part of the job is not a necessary evil. I actually enjoy doing those things. As you know, I love being on campus. I love high-fiving students. and um, They think I'm crazy, but so do my kids. So <laughs> I've been called worse. You bring up Emily. One of the interesting responsibilities that she has is, is being in charge of the fan experience. What, what has that added role for her and for the university meant in terms of getting people interested in the program and getting people into the Winthrop Coliseum? Well, I don't think there's a more important role uh, in our entire athletic department. Say those words again. What did you call it? The fan experience. Yeah, I think is I wanted you to say it because that's the fan experience. Because you know we're like a restaurant. You know, you go to a restaurant and you walk into that restaurant, you sit down, and the service stinks, and they don't refill your water, and your steak's not cooked the way you like it, and. The, the server comes back to your table, you know, once during the entire meal. It takes them a week and a half to give you your check. Are you going back? Heck no, you're no. not going back. Heck no. You know, and I'll be walking out with my wife, go, this place, this, this place will be open for about another month. Now, our, our Coliseum and our basketball program is not going to go out of business, but sure. people could very easily make a decision when they walk in, you walk out of your Coliseum of... Was, was it a yes or was it a no? Was this a good experience? Was it a bad experience? Was this worth our entertainment dollar? Was this worth bringing my children home late, putting them to bed, and getting them back up for school tomorrow at 6 a.m.? Was it worth it? 
Was I treated right? Did I have a good time? Was I greeted? Were the line short? Were the line short? Were the line short? Were the line short at the concession stand? I am sick and tired of hearing that the lines are too long at the concession stand. So, yes, that's an important job. And she busts her tail. And she's working really, really hard to make that happen. But that should be priority number one for me, besides having the scouting report down and knowing every baseline out of bounds. But, like, my name's on that program. And somebody standing in line too long for a pretzel reflects poorly on our basketball program and everybody, you know, in our athletic department. So... Heck yes, that's an important role. That is a huge role. Um, and I give her a lot of credit for being passionate about it. Um, and Ken being very passionate about changing it. Matt being very passionate about changing it. Um, huge, huge deal. Fan experience. Say it again. Fan experience. Fan experience. Yes, sir. Exclamation mark. I ask you this because I know the answer. How many seconds are you going to spend on the preseason poll once you walk out of this place? What preseason poll? Fair answer. <laughs> That's about what I expected. Heck, we weren't first. We weren't second. So what? Why? You know? Doesn't matter. If you're not first, you're last, right? Yeah. All matters. Who, who said that? Somebody said that. Yeah. Some, somebody, somebody famous. Yeah. Somebody a lot smarter than me, but Some who, who isn't? Person. Who isn't? Right. Yeah. So, final question. And this might require a little bit of introspection, but I know you're a very introspective person, so I expect nothing less. You've talked so many times about this community and what it's meant to you, what it's meant to your family. You've said it the day you, you know, took the podium for your first press conference. You've said it every day since. Seven years in, as you've talked about, what has this community meant to you, to your family, to, to everybody associated with you? I, I see your family all the time. What has it meant to, to you? It's home. It's home. I mean, you know, with all due respect for every city citizen of the city of Cincinnati, because I, I, I love Cincinnati. I mean, it is in my blood. You cut me open, and Cincinnati Reds and Bengals, and my 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 sisters and brothers, and my mom and dad, and my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, my aunts and uncles, my cousins, and that is a special, special place to me. Um, and that'll always be home. But you know, this is such a, I don't know if the word's transient business, you know, where people come, people go, people leave, people, sh you know, um, in, in, you know, I can honestly say I have two homes, you know, Rock Hill is, is, is home, it's, it's where my youngest son was born, um, we have deep, deep, close personal friendships, uh, people that have become family to me, uh, and to my wife. My children's school, St. Anne's, and our church is very, very important to us. It means the world to us. Um, you know, it's it just it's home. It, it, it is, and I, I get emotional talking about it because it is such a special place to us. Um, it's a wonderful place to raise a family. I can't imagine anywhere better other than having a place where 52 first cousins uh, are you know, within a 15-minute radius, which is right up in the greater Cincinnati area. But, um, but this, this place has become very special to us, and we don't like it, we love it.